0: Father, we ask you to speak your word into our lives and change us today, make us more like Christ. We pray for a revelation and deeper understanding of the cross of Christ, that it would really cause us to be able to be motivated, inspired by this truth, and empowered by this truth like never before. I pray for those who are listening today or watching that may not know you, Lord, that this will be a time where they really come to understand and know you, Jesus. And we pray also, Lord, you would use this to really make us powerful Uh, messengers of this great message. pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, there was this guy, and he was a a young reporter, and he always had this hope that he would one day really come up with a breaking story before any other reporter got it. So he just kept hoping and dreaming that would happen. Sure enough, He got his chance. He was in West Texas. He was caught in the middle of this torrential downpour. In fact, the waters rose so quickly, everybody just scampered to the rooftops, and so did he. And as they're on the rooftops, they're watching through the flooding, this current of just cars and clumps of shrubs and all these things float by in the flooding water. And as they're looking down at the water, he notices this crisp, white, cowboy Stetson floating This cowboy hat floating on the water perfectly. And then he notices it stops and it turns 180 degrees and flows against the current. And then it stops again, turns 180 degrees and flows with the current. Then it stops and goes 180 degrees against the current again. He's thinking, this is a miracle. He starts writing it. This is, I'm going to write a story about the miracle of the floating Stetson. And as he's writing it, the woman next to him says, that's no miracle. That's Cecil. My husband, he said, come hell or high water, I'm going to mow this lawn. <laughs> he was determined. Have you ever been really determined to do something? I mean, you were going to do it no matter what, determined. Well, we've been doing this series on the cross of Christ, and there's never been anyone more determined. There's never been anything done in history as determined as Jesus going to the cross for you and me. So what we've been doing is we've been taking uh, this three-week series to focus on the cross of Christ leading up to Palm Sunday, which is this coming Sunday, and Easter Sunday, the following Sunday, to focus on what Jesus did on the cross for us. Now, before we jump into this third uh, of this three-week series entitled The Achievement of the Cross... I want to kind of back up a little bit and make sure we don't lose our ball in the weeds, you know, that we really kind of understand the big picture of what we're talking about here. So I want to back up and I want to summarize the big story for you with three words. The first word is love. The human story is conceived and driven by love. God made you and he made me to love us. And for us to love him. But in order for us to love him, we had to be given free choice. You can only love freely. So we were given free choice and we did choose. We chose to go our own way, not God's way. And that's called sin. And that leads us to the second word. And that word is evil. With the entrance of sin into the world, with it came evil and futility and all kinds of complicated problems that we see every night on the news. Yet God still loves us. So what is he going to do about this problem? That leads us to the third word. And that word is remedy. God sent his only son as the remedy to the problem. So the son of God became a man, an historical person of Jesus of Nazareth. He is born through a virgin, miraculously, by the power of the Holy Spirit. He grows up, leads a sinless life, shows us what the Father is like, and then he goes to the cross to bear our sins and absorb all of the judgment that we deserve. He absorbs it. What for? To provide a remedy for sin and separation from God. And in two weeks... On Easter Sunday, we will celebrate the fact that three days after he died on the cross, he rose again, confirming, giving evidence to the fact that the cross really worked. The resurrection proves the cross worked. It proves that Jesus is who he says he is, God come in the flesh. But it also proves that he did do, in fact, what he said he was going to do, and that's conquer sin, death, and the devil. I mean, how would we know that he conquered death? If he doesn't come out of the grave and show that he's alive, but he does, he shows that it worked what he did, what he promised he would do a conquering death. He proves it by rising from the dead three days later. And so what we've been doing is we're focusing these three messages on the cross of Christ. And this morning we want to focus on the achievement of the cross. What was achieved on the cross for you? Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over five big words, words that every Christian should know the meaning of because you read them in your Bible. And when you read these words in your Bible, you need to know what they mean. We need to know really what was done for us, what was achieved and accomplished for us on the cross. And the more we know that, the deeper we understand that, the more we're going to be empowered and motivated and inspired to live for Christ. So here's the first big word that you, all Christians ought to know the name of, know the meaning of. And that is this word, propitiation. It's not a word you use a lot, probably. Propitiation, it's used in 1 John 4, 9 and 10. Let's read it. 1 John 4, starting verse 9, says this. By this, the love of God was manifested in us. Notice that, the love of God is emphasized here. By this, the love of God was was manifested in us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love. Again, that's emphasized. This is love. Not that we loved God, but He loved us and sent His Son, here it is, to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, Again, it's not a word that you probably use a lot, but it's important that we know what it means here's what it means. Christian propitiation is the work of God to absorb his divine anger towards sinful man. Okay, again, understand this, that God is holy and he is just. And because he's holy and just, sin must be punished. It must be. He can't choose not to punish it. He'd violate his character. He is holy and he is righteous. He is just. And in his justice, sin must be punished. But he's also a God of love. So what is he going to do? Well, he devised a way where he himself would absorb the punishment. So we wouldn't have to. Let me illustrate it for you this way. We're going to take this Kendall, who really should be punished. <laughs> and I want you to imagine he's representing humanity. And this picture is representing the wrath of God, the justice of God, that must be poured out on sinful humanity because he is just, and sin must be punished. And the penalty of sin is death. So the wrath of God must be poured out God. Cannot choose not to do this. He must do this. Or he would no longer be righteous and just. He must. So he has to pour out his wrath. But then he sends his son, Jesus, to become a man, you know, and step in between. It's a sponge. I want you to picture it absorbing. And Jesus comes and he absorbs the wrath of God for us. He dies in our place. Why? Why? so we wouldn't have to, so we could have our sins forgiven and we could know God. So this is called, this is propitiation. This is what it means, that Jesus is a propitiation for our sins. He comes and absorbs the wrath of God for us when he dies on the cross for our sins. Aren't you glad? Hallelujah. He does, and that's called propitiation because he loves us. That's why he did it. He absorbs God's wrath. God himself, the Son of God, absorbs the wrath of God for us. So that means that we no longer need to live with fear of judgment to come. Why? Because the judgment that was due us has already been done. It's been absorbed by Christ on the cross. There's no future judgment awaiting you if you are in Christ because he already did the judgment for you. He absorbed judgment the wrath of God for us. All those who repent and believe in Jesus, this is, the judgment's already taken place for us. So we don't have to walk around living in fear of some future judgment. God's wrath has been satisfied. Justice has been done. Judgment has already occurred. It's all been done on the cross of Christ. Why? So we could have a relationship with God. So this means that we are deeply loved. I want everyone to say, everyone say, I am deeply loved. Say it again, I am deeply loved. I want to, you know, I wanted the church in Pakistan to really understand the love of Christ. And I preached in the church, actually I preached in the largest church in Pakistan. And what I wanted them to, I want you to get a flavor of what that service was like. And so for just for 20 seconds, I'm, I'm going to bring you there. So let's watch this video. And what you don't see there is outside. Outside, there's there is packs of people watching on the screen, and there's four services, and they're coming to hear the word of God and to worship God. And I got a chance to just share with them uh, about the love of God and who they are in Christ. Show the next photo, next slide. On so there's a picture of just the teaching time. Uh, next slide. And again, there's no room for chairs. There's no, there's no chairs. And they just come. They crowd, they crowd in standing, and then when it's time to sit, they just go straight down to the ground and sit, and they're sitting outside as well uh, in the compound. And the next slide. And as we're talking about how much God loves them and we're praying for them, I just want you to get a picture of this. This is a beautiful picture of them getting it. They're getting it. It's important that we get this. It's crucial that we know that God loves us. This is one of the lies the devil tries to communicate around the world to believers. is God may love the world, but he doesn't really love you. And, it, and he does. He loves you. He loves you. So again, I want everyone to say, I'm deeply, I'm deeply loved. So this is the first word, propitiation, that he, because he loves us, he devised a way to absorb his own wrath and judgment in our place, the Christ on the cross, propitiation. All right, second big word is redemption. Redemption. Mark 10, verse 45, Jesus says this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, what is a ransom? Many of us have read stories or seen movies about some wealthy family where the child is kidnapped And then the family has to pay this large sum of money as a ransom to have their child set free, delivered. That's what a ransom is. And uh, by the way, does anyone know what the most, the highest uh, amount of money paid for a ransom history ever paid? Who who wants to make a guess? Someone just shot out a number. Ten million. Got higher. In 1996, Hong Kong tycoon Lee Kai shing had his son kidnapped, Victor Lee, and he paid back then 134 million dollars to have him released, which today equals 200 million dollars, 200 million dollars to get his son released. Most who really loved his son. Well, I want to tell you a funny story about uh, this. But in order for me to tell you the story, I going to give you a little background, because last year, when I was in Pakistan. I was in some villages uh, in the north of Lahore, close to the India border. And uh, as I was there, you know, something happened that's interesting. But in order for you to understand what happened, you need to understand that uh, there was some concern with my my grown children, some concern whether or not I should go to Pakistan. And I assured them, just pray, you know, this is something the Lord's telling me to do. And and we just need to pray and trust him. My youngest son, who's 27 now, his name's Chad, he's like, Dad, don't go. Don't go because, you know, you could get kidnapped. And uh, he was just really anxious about this. And, you know, I tried to assure him just to pray and let's all trust God together. Well, anyway, you need to know that background. Also, you need to know this. You need to know what a screaming goat sounds like. So play that video. Okay. Now, I want, you to, I want you to keep that sound in your mind. Go ahead and play that one more time. Okay, you got that sound locked in your mind? Okay, now, now I can tell you the story. So I'm in this village in Pakistan, and, and, they, and they, they got me a local phone that I could use to call home. And so I, I call home. And I'm talking to Tracy, and I'm, leaning, I'm in, this, uh, in this village leaning up against this window. And there's a little kind of alleyway, you know, behind me. And as I'm talking to Tracy, she says, oh, guess what? Chad's home. He came up from Austin to check on me. I'll put you on speaker. I said, awesome. That way I could assure Chad everything's fine. And so I'm on speakerphone, and I'm talking to him, and they're both listening. And this goat comes. I'm, this is the truth this goat comes right by the window right behind me and screams just like you heard. And as soon as he finishes screaming, the phone goes dead. And I couldn't contact him for 24 hours after that. And I wasn't even putting it together in my head yet. But here's what happened back at home. They're listening, and all of a sudden, the scream comes, the phone goes dead, and Chad goes, they got him!" They got him! How are we going to get them? Well, we don't pay ransoms as a church, by the way. Uh, but the ransom is the payment that will restore this, a child to their family. We understand that concept. Redemption, the word redemption, is the release through the payment of a ransom. That's redemption. Okay? So there's a sense in which we were all kidnapped by the devil from our rightful parent, God, and God wants us back. So what does he do? He secures our release with the only payment that could accomplish our release. Again, in redemption, someone's release or deliverance is accomplished at the cost of a payment. Now, what's the payment? The answer for our release, the payment is the life of the Son of God is the ransom paid for our redemption, for our freedom. So his life was a payment for our release. That's the picture. His life on the cross in dying for us was sufficient payment that our sins could be completely forgiven. Again, the wages of sin is death. He comes and makes the payment. He pays those wages by dying for us, dying in our place. So what does that mean for us today? That means that, he has, that all our sins are completely forgiven, that our past record is entirely cleared, that that obstacle keeping us away from God has been removed. That's what it means. It means I'm completely forgiven. My past record is entirely cleared. Everyone say, I'm completely forgiven. forgiven. Say it again, I'm completely forgiven. forgiven. Say, my past record is entirely cleared. cleared. Say it again, "My my past record is entirely cleared. See, so many Christians don't get that From their head to their heart. That truth needs to really be deep in us. Otherwise, you're going to be so easily derailed by guilt and condemnation because the devil will try to remind you of all of the bad things you've done in your life and how can you consider yourself worthy to serve God? So just keep your mouth shut. You've disqualified yourself, you're not worthy. And all that's a lie because the truth is, all of our sins have been completely forgiven. Your past record is entirely, entirely clean, entirely removed, so entirely cleared. And once we get that, once we realize what God has done for us, we really get that truth, then we want to live our lives for him. When we we understand the magnitude of how much he loves us, the magnitude of what what he did for us, then we want to do whatever he wants us to do for him. We want to live our lives for him. See, when I see somebody not wanting to live for Jesus, I'm thinking they just don't get it. They just do not understand this. Somebody that's totally unmotivated, apathetic, bored in your Christian life, you don't get it. When you get what he's done for you, you want to live for him. That's why understanding the cross of Christ is so important for us, that we know this, that we know what's been done. In one city I was in a hotel in Pakistan, and there was one, one of the hotel managers was constantly trying to make sure to take care of me. He's, he's watching everything I'm doing. This guy was a Christian and he's just, I mean, he was hovering over me. I'm like eating a meal, you know, and he's like trying to anticipate what I might need. I mean, he's moving my silverware around for me. I made a look one time for salt and pepper and he ran over and grabbed it. You know, he's just, he's just trying to do everything he could for me. And finally, I just asked him, I asked him, why are you doing all this for me? And he told me the story. And the story is that he had a blood disease that he was going to die from. And a foreigner who happened to be a minister was in his hotel and prayed for him and God healed him. And he said, and when he started thinking about all that God had done for him, he said, all he wants to do is do for God now. And that's what he was trying to do for me. He was just trying to serve God by blessing me. And see once we get this once we get what, what he's done for us we want to live for him we want to live for him we understand the magnitude of what he's done and we understand that all of our sins are forgiven, completely forgiven, completely removed we don't have to carry the baggage from the past and there's no doubt you know the, the number here and we'll have, we have five or six hundred online every Sunday. There's no, there's no doubt that there's, there's many people that are carrying some baggage, and you don't have to carry it. You don't have to drag around the guilt from your past. And the devil starts reminding you of all your failures. All you got to do is realize is it said to said, yourself, wait a second, my past record is entirely cleared. What are you talking about? I'm completely forgiven. Psalm 103 verse 12 says this, As far as the east is from the west, So far has he removed our transgressions from us. They're removed as far as east is from the west. Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, God says. And I will not remember your sins. I mean, I don't know. If that's not one of your favorite verses, it ought to be. God says he will not remember your sins. He won't remember them. So why do you? Well, God, I know you, you know, I know you're still, you know, probably thinking about what I did last year or last night or, and he's saying, no, what are you talking about? Well, you know, I mean, no, I don't remember that. He forgets it. He chooses, to I don't know how God does it, but he's, he's choosing not to remember them somehow. So if he doesn't remember them, we should remember them. Amen. Amen. So say again, I am completely forgiven. My past record is entirely cleared. All right. Third big word, justification. Justification. Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on the cross on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now understand, justification is not the same as redemption. You know, in redemption, Christ takes our sins away, and now we're clean. Justification isn't just another word saying the same thing. In redemption, our sins are taken away, and we're clean. In justification, we are given the righteousness of Christ. It's imputed on us. That means the Father sees you like he sees his own Son. Let that sink in. When, he sees, when, the, when the Son of God is being baptized, John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, and the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, I mean, he's, he's got to be smiling when he says that. That's how he sees you. He sees us this way. That's justification. We have, you know, some people say justification just as if you never sinned. No, it's way more than that. It's the righteousness of Christ imputed on you. So you have all of his approval you could ever get in Christ. I tell you when, you, when you understand that, how we have this all the approval you could ever, ever get in Christ from the Father, he sees you like he sees his own son, that removes, if you really get that in your heart, that removes all fear of failure. Because you already have the approval of the only one's approval that matters. So you can live without fear of failure, without trying to win, you know, you know, you know, constantly perform in front of people because you already got his approval in Christ, and it's just liberating to be able to know how much you are accepted and pleasing to God. I want you to see another slide of a picture of a man in Pakistan. Go ahead and put that up if you would. I love this photo. I love this photo because this photo captures, really, really captures, I think, the heart of the entire ministry trip, and that is people realizing how much God loves them, how fully pleasing they are to Christ, and how Christ's holiness is just totally given to them. Again, I want everyone to say, I'm fully pleasing. pleasing. Say it again, "I'm I'm fully pleasing. Say, Christ's holiness is entirely mine. Say it again. Christ's holiness is entirely mine. Hallelujah. Fourth big word, reconciliation. Reconciliation, Colossians 1, 21 and 22. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. 2 Corinthians 5:19. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. So what is the end goal of the gospel? You know what the end goal is? The end goal is reconciliation with God. 1 Peter 3:18. If you don't remember any other verse, but this verse First Peter 3:18 says this, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that listen to this, he might bring us to God. See, that's the point of the gospel. Is to bring us to God. And what does the Bible say that happens when we get there? We get God We get boredom? Misery forever? That's blasphemy. We get him in whose presence is fullness of joy. Psalm 16, verse 11. In whose presence, if there's fullness of joy, and at whose right hand there are pleasures forever. See, if the gospel only brought redemption, if the gospel only brought justification, if the gospel only brought propitiation and didn't bring us the enjoyment of God himself, then it's not good news. See, all those other big words basically are what had to happen to get the obstacles out of the way so we could have God. So we could be reconciled and have him and not have boredom when we get there, but to have joy in the nearness of God. Now and forever. We taste it now, we get the seven-course banquet when Jesus comes again. So I was God's enemy because of my offensive attitudes and actions but now through Christ his death and resurrection I'm his friend. And everyone who repents and believes in Christ can say that same exact thing. And so when we get that, when we get that and you start to really relish your relationship with Christ, what you have that you, re- you have a relationship with God now. And then you realize you're rubbing shoulders of people that don't even know him every day. People at school, people in the workplace, people in neighborhoods. How could we not tell people this good news? This is good news. Aren't you glad someone told you the good news? I mean, you're a fish that got caught. Aren't you glad you got caught? There are fish out there that are going to be glad you caught them. Tell your story. Tell it. Preach the gospel. I'll show you another slide, put the next slide up. This is another smaller, another area that we went to. These, these uh, men have been training <clears throat> for an outreach in this particular part of this city, a district that uh, really that doesn't have a church. And we spent a day really training them. Next slide. And then and, and also just and in one day, ordaining them <clears throat> to do this ministry. Next slide. And they're passionate about going out, risking their lives now, to do this, to share this good news—good news that people in Pakistan need to hear. And we carry the same good news. All of us carry it. And our our mission, wherever your mission is, no different than their mission, wherever you are. You you have a mission. You know you are not. Uh, you know you're not retired. You're not living civilian life. You are in the army of God. We have a mission. We're ambassadors of Christ. We have citizenship in heaven. We all need to be on point and do our part every day. We're, cont- we're in contact with people that de- desperately need this good news that we carry this treasure in these jars of clay. We need to let people know that they can be accepted by God too. They can become his friend. Everyone say, I'm totally accepted. Say it again I'm totally accepted. You don't have to fear rejection anymore. You've got God's full acceptance. I mean, you can, that means you can relax around other people. You don't have to perform. You have God's total acceptance. You know, yesterday morning at the men's breakfast, we talked about friendship between men. We talked about mentorships, mentoring younger, older, older believers, mentoring younger believers. We talked about discipleship. We talked about the importance of taking the initiative, In friendship, take the initiative. If you're you're lonely, it's your fault. Take the initiative. I went out to find a friend. He was not out there. I went out to be a friend. Friends were everywhere. Take the initiative in discipleship. Take the initiative in mentorship. But here's why guys don't take the initiative. You know why? Because they're insecure. They don't know who they are in Christ. They fear rejection. So we got to know who we are in Christ. I tell you, on our website... There are 77 passages, you know, just search, you know, God loves you verses. I put these 77 passages that I meditated on, memorized, changed my life many, many years ago. I, I think every Christian ought to know these verses. Meditate on them until you've memorized them. Don't just memorize them, meditate on them until you memorize them. And, and, and they'll change your life. Get the truth from your head down into your heart, who you are in Christ. And I'll tell you what, it is liberating. You do not have to perform for people. You don't have to prove anything anymore. You are set free. And I tell you what, there is rest in this. There is rest in humility, rest in knowing the truth of Jesus and who you are in Christ. So let me urge you to do that and then step out and let's give our lives for the kingdom. All right, fifth word, last word, last big word here, regeneration, regeneration. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Don't you love this? The old things passed away. Behold, the new things have come. The old things, all the old, even the old you, all that passed away. New things have come. Regeneration, what it means, that's what it means to be born again. We've been given a new life. We really do get a do over. Aren't you glad? The old stuff is gone, the old you's gone. We're regenerated. We've been made entirely new. We get a fresh start in Christ. We really get a do-over. Uh, yesterday, I did a wedding of a young couple that Tracy and I have spent some time with and, and uh, really kind of helped them through some hard times uh, in their lives. And there they are on their wedding day, uh, both as they are making their vows and pledges to each other, talking about the importance of putting their relationship around Christ you know, they came to know the Lord and were baptized here in this church. And I just thought as I was doing this one, I thought, you know what? You guys get a fresh start in so many ways. You get a do-over. All the mess, all that old stuff is all gone. And now you got a new start. What a beautiful thing. Everyone say, I'm entirely new. I'm entirely new. Say it again. I'm entirely new. I'm entirely new. That means, That means total freedom from shame. I'm entirely, I don't have to live for the shame of the past. I'm a new person. That old person's gone. You know, I love spring. It's my favorite time of the year. I love the budding of plants, the flowers coming up. I love the fact that the bass are spawning and they're easier to catch. I love everything about spring. And so six years ago on uh, Easter Sunday, I thought I had this plan where I was, I was going to end the whole service with this crescendo. It was going to be awesome. And here's how the crescendo was going to go. I was going to kind of, at the very end of the service, I was going to focus on how, we, you know, before Christ, we were like these caterpillars down in the muck and the mud. But once we come to know Jesus, we're like the butterflies. We got to, you know, the old you's gone and we got a new, new life and, and I and had this plan. I was going to order these butterflies. And at the crescendo of the service, I would open the box and the butterflies would fly out. And it was going to be Glorious. It didn't work out that way. So what happens when you, when you order these butterflies, they ship them to you in a hibernated state. And so when you get them, you're supposed to put them in the refrigerator so they stay hibernated. And then it gives you instructions on how long you take them out so they get warmed up and kind of get, you know, moving around a little bit. So that when you open the box, they all fly out. So I follow the directions exactly. But I guess the first service, they were still kind of cold. So first service, here comes the crescendo, and I'm really excited about this, you know. Here it comes, and, I've, and I kind of milk this whole metaphor, you know. And finally, it's time for the crescendo, and I open the box up, and I'm waiting for the fly out, and they all just f- thump to the ground. <laughs> and I'm kind of trying to get them to <laughs> perk up a little bit, you know. But by the third service, it really worked. It was awesome. If you came to the third service six years ago, you saw the thing that was supposed to work. But the truth is, spring is a beautiful picture of the fact that there's newness. There's a fresh beginning. And that's what we have. We're regenerated. We have a new life. And so everyone's saying, I'm entirely new. So the death of Christ has accomplished so much for each one of us. Propitiation, redemption, justification, reconciliation, and regeneration. But here's the deal. Even though all that was done on the cross of Christ for the whole world, each person must choose. What do I mean by that? Do you know that smallpox in history has killed 300 million people? 300 million people have died from smallpox. But then a vaccine was developed. Wonderful, wonderful gift from God, this vaccine. But here's the truth about it. The mere availability of the vaccine was not enough to save anybody. They had to choose to receive it in order to be saved from smallpox. Well, the same is true of Christ. Everything, all those five achievements of the cross I just went over are available to every living person on planet earth, but each person must choose to receive the truth by asking Jesus to be their personal Lord and Savior. So if you are hearing me today, whether here in this room or online, you've got to make a choice. And my question is, why would you not choose this? Why would you not choose him? I mean, what a wonderful gift That's being offered to all humanity, and all we got to do is turn to him and choose him. You know, as we get ready to close now, I just want you to understand something about the state of our world in which we're living. Do you know that many countries on our planet, there are laws in many many countries against people becoming a Christian? In fact, it is against the law in several countries, to become a Christian if you're a Muslim and you could face the death penalty. Do you know that? There are anti-apostasy and anti-blasphemy laws in almost a quarter of the world's countries. Anti-blasphemy laws means you cannot speak against Islam and you cannot speak against the Quran. You cannot speak against Muhammad, the prophet. You can't speak against them or you violate the anti-blasphemy law and you suffer the consequences and it varies in countries. But there's also an anti-apostasy law. That means if you're a Muslim, you cannot leave Islam and become a Christian or you violate this anti-apostasy law. And in 13 countries, there's the death penalty for doing that. 13 countries, countries like Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, Malaysia, the Maldives, Pakistan, Nigeria, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Somalia, Sudan, United Arab Emirates, Yemen, for them to say, for them to go public as a Christian is a capital offense. They can get the death penalty. Now, some of these countries might just give them life imprisonment. But think about this. Think about being a Muslim who gets a dream, and they're getting dreams all over the world, where Jesus appears to them and says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I've talked to many firsthand accounts of this. Imagine being a Muslim in one of these countries, have a dream like this, or be interested and want to know more about Jesus and know that if anyone finds out you're doing that, you can be killed for it. Think about that. Well, in the church service that I was in, again, I, I, the church has four services, two on Friday, two on Sunday, that you saw that video of. It's a church of 7,000 people crowding in. And I asked the pastor, I said, so what does a Muslim who wants to come to Christ do? He says, there's about 100 in here right now. And if you, if you watch that video very slowly, you'll see some of them ducking behind. I said, how do you you, you baptize me? He says, in secret. But as we close, there's a song I want us to sing together. And I want us to sing this song two ways. I want us to sing it as as realizing what has been done for us more deeply and just being so grateful for God doing it. There's a line, the song that we sang during the worship time, entitled Jesus, I Need You. So worship team, go ahead and come on up. There's a line in this song that says, Jesus, I need you every moment I need you. Hear now this grace-bought heart sing out. Your praise forever. I love this line. Hear now this grace-bought heart sing out. Your praise forever. So I want us to sing with that kind of just worship and gratitude for the cross and what Jesus has done for us. But also I want us to sing this as an intercessory song for those hundreds of millions who are trapped, trapped in darkness. Because there's a line in the song that says this, Beauty for ashes, you find the weak and contrite heart. Shoulder its burdens and carry it into the light. So let's make this also an intercessory song for the hundreds of millions of Muslims, many of them who want to know Christ, many of them who are secretly following Christ already, but also for even a greater revelation of the truth of Jesus to them. Let's all stand together. Let's sing this as worship and as intercession. Let's sing. Before I close this in prayer, if you need to speak to one of our pastors, it'll be in the Connection Coffee Corner over here. If this is your first Sunday, I would love to meet you personally up here in this welcome corner. Also, if you have a prayer need, there'll be some leader couples down and be glad to pray for whatever your need is. Now remember it's Grace Cafe. There's lunch right across the parking lot. Please stay and visit with us. We'd love to get to know you better. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we are so, so, so grateful you Lord we pray that you continue to cause us to understand deeply what how much you love us what you've done for us that Lord we'd be empowered by it motivated by it inspired by it Lord to really live a life worthy of such such love Lord we pray that you would just fill each one of us today fresh with your spirit use us Lord in all our places of influence this week and Lord remind us that we're on a mission we have a story to tell Lord give us the boldness and the wisdom to tell the story and season our speech with grace as with salt, and give us and and just draw people to yourself. We pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Have a great day, great week.